Okay, so here we are. We are back recording live on Wednesday. Uh, January 25th is when we're doing the live recording. The podcast will be posted in a few days after this live show. We're on episode 256 of The Real Evan J Livestream. I'm your host, The Real Evan J. Let's get started with the opening song, and then I'll come on the other side with opening commentary. We'll get into the show today. Good to be here. Thank you for joining me uh, again. This is Evan Talks. time since I had something to say. I told you what was going on, then I went away. Now it's been about a year, so I'm coming back to remind y'all what's going on here. Everything I said turned out to be true. All the liars in the media, the gaslighting you. There never really was a real pandemic or there would have been people pushing wheelbarrows. Dead people in the streets piled up to here. Dropping dead faster than we could conceive. Bodies piled up like the Spanish flu, but it wasn't like that because they're lying to you. It's time to be awakening. Turns out there were no more deaths in 2020 than in previous years, counting all the other causes. They just moved the deaths from all the other columns, like flu and pneumonia. You know what they call them? They call them COVID deaths. They inflated the numbers to make us all afraid. Separate your families to make us feel sad. Isolate the children to make them feel bad. Terrify them, then deny them basic human dignities they rely on. Human touch, smiling face, fresh air to breathe a wide open space. Slap a mask on your little kid's face. Staff infection all over the place. Why can't people see the fear they're in? This shit is straight up Luciferian. Shit. So welcome to the show. I see my good buddy and brother BG is in the house. Uh, on Getter. Thank you, BG. You're the first to arrive in the live stream. Uh, we're live streaming to Getter. At Evan Talks, we're live streaming to Twitter at Ninja Blog Secret without an S. It's really Ninja Blog Secrets, but there aren't enough letters in the handle <laughs> to do that. So if you're on Twitter, it's Ninja Blog Secret. Okay, there's a story there, but I'll save that for another time. If you are on Facebook, we are streaming to the Evan Talks page on Facebook. If you're on LinkedIn, I haven't heard from LinkedIn peeps for a while, but we have been streaming to LinkedIn at my page at Evan Talks on LinkedIn. And where else do we go? Of course, Twitch and DLive. Uh, if you're on Twitch, it's at Real Evan Talks. If you're on DLive, it's at Evan Talks, mainly at Evan Talks everywhere except for Twitch right now. And so uh, if you're looking for a place to go conveniently, and watch this live stream. You can always get that on my website, evantalks.com slash watch. 
okay? Or you just go to eventalks.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom. All the buttons for the website are down at the bottom of eventalks.com. I'll do a uh, tour at another time. I do that periodically here on the show. So um, today is going to be more of a loosely structured show. Uh, The general theme for today is the needle is moving. That means that people are waking up and awakening to, you know, the whole new world order and the great reset and the plans of the WEF last week's show, of course, was all about Davos and the globalist meeting in Davos. Um, This week's show is about just the needle is moving and people kind of waking up on these different issues and engaging in ways that we weren't permitted to do because of censorship on Twitter and other platforms. Um, So even though my real accounts on Twitter are still banned and it looks like Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, has made a lot of improvements, but then it seems to have slipped back where there's a lot of censorship already. People like my account that is still open, the Ninja Vlog Secret account, it's just like an old backup to the backup account uh, that I'm still able to gain access to. And I didn't even really want to use it. I only have a couple hundred followers on there, uh, but I'm meeting great people on Twitter, but my uh, tweets there are incredibly throttled. And that's what I'm finding is there's a lot of throttling going on. And yet, even so, um, let me say hey to Lisa. As as people arrive, I'm going to greet you if you uh, drop your name into the chat. By the way, if you're on Getter at Evan Talks, um, we've been getting quite a few views on the Getter live stream. And I want to encourage you guys on Getter to join the chat fam. Drop your comments into the chat. Let us know who you are, where you're watching from. We love you. We want to know you. We want to hear your voice here on the show. And if you share your thoughts, we will share them on the screen. We'll talk about them and engage in a dialogue uh, that makes this show and this live stream and podcast uh, special and a little different than just the one-way broadcast. This way we get to have a conversation and all of that. So where I want to start today is with a video, you may have already seen it already. This is the creator of the famous cartoon strip called Dilbert. His name is Scott Adams, and he came out with a very heartfelt video the other day declaring anti-vaxxers and the unvaccinated as kind of the winners in the argument of should people have gotten the jabs or should they have refrained from the jabs? And he got the jabs and he had been famously known for kind of taunting anti-vaxxers in the beginning and saying that our concerns were unfounded and that the science, he kind of believed the science, okay? And um, and Lisa's saying, I didn't realize it was a competition, but for them it was. And I, you know, look, in terms of, let's watch his video and then we'll talk about it because I'm really interested to know your response for that. Let me roll that. And then I'll come with my commentary on that. And then you guys, if you have comments, can add to that. Okay, so this is um, Scott Al- Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, with his um, mea culpa, for want of a better word. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that the people who, the anti-vaxxers, appear to be right. Somebody who did not get vaccinated got a little Omicron, 
or maybe even a worse one, but recovered. Now you've got natural immunity, and you have no vaccination in you. Can we all agree that that was the winning path? The smartest, happiest people are the ones who didn't get the vaccination and are still alive. I want to make sure that I'm not leaving any wiggle room for myself. Have I? Have I said as clearly as possible they're the happy ones right now? And have a reason to be, completely? Right. Having, uh, having said as clearly as possible that the anti-vax people seem to be the winners, I want you to hear that clearly. The anti-vax people appear to be the winners. The anti-vaxxers clearly are the winners at this point, and I think it'll probably stay that way. And, and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They came out the best. They, they have the winning position. The unvaccinated have a current advantage because they, they feel better. The, the thing they're not worrying about is what I have to worry about, which is, I wonder if that vaccination five years from now... Because really, the anti-vaxxers, I think, were really just distrustful of big companies and big government... That's never wrong. It's never wrong to distrust government. It's never wrong to distrust big companies. Right? So if you just took the position, let's just distrust everything the government did, well, you won. You won. <laughs> you won completely. I did not end up in the right place. Agree? You would all agree with that, right? I did not end up in the right place. The right place would be natural immunity, no, no vaccination. You should take victory, and I should take defeat. We can agree on that, right? That, that my position is now the weakest, and, and your position has gone from the weakest to the strongest, and that we can just say that's true. The people who didn't get vaxxed are absolutely in the winning position. You win. You win. You are the winners. You are the winners. Let me say that part with no ambiguity. You won. You won. Uh, All all of my fancy analytics got me to a bad place. All of your heuristics, don't trust these guys, it's obvious, totally worked. Okay, so... Um, heartfelt, I think you can feel his pain. I think that, like Lisa said, it's not like it was a competition, but the fact that we were vilified and demonized and ostracized by so many people, we had a mainstream media, uh, an entertainment campaign against the unvaccinated, you had fake President Biden talking about the pandemic of the unvaccinated and the winter of death that somehow we all survived. Um, It feels like vindication to have a leading voice that used to be on the pro-vax side come out and acknowledge that everything that they said about the vaccine and believed about the vaccine was wrong and pretty much everything the anti-vaxxers or the unjabbed were saying about why not to get the jabs was correct. Now, let me uh, 
add to that kind of my thoughts. He says that it's be- we didn't get jabbed because we didn't trust the government. That's certainly part of it, right? We didn't trust the government. We didn't trust Pfizer. I mean, even when I was still a liberal, quote unquote, the whole thing was don't trust big pharma and don't trust the GMOs. And somehow the people who call themselves liberals, which I lovingly call them woke tards and libtards, um, they actually uh, now have switched and seem to be on the cheering committee for big pharma and GMOs and injecting. These are the people who spend 10 minutes grilling a waiter at a restaurant about how their chicken was raised before they decide if they're going to eat a GMO chicken, but they're going to inject GMO and spike proteins and dead baby cells and all these things directly into their bodies without caring what went into that needle. That is why liberalism is a mental disorder and the people who are on that side have no ability to do critical thinking or so it seems because they just, they buy the propaganda, they believe the hype, they get right into the emotional um, ad hominem attacks against people who are using critical thought. Um, And so uh, let me just get some comments here from Getter. Uh, As BG is saying, uh, Scott Adams was speaking truth to power. He says, go Dilbert. And then says they're not liberals. It's true. I call them leftards or leftists or libtards or woketards. They're not liberals because the people who were liberals at, you know, like people like Lara Logan and people like me who just, you know, I think Del Bigtree, I think is a liberal. When it's only that we spoke truth to power and started questioning the narrative that we got pushed out and called right wingers. And, uh, you know, then by that time you get called a right winger enough. And after a while you just flip the bird and you're like, well, screw you then. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to be a Trumper. I'm going to be a uh, full on conservative because I'm going to be called all kinds of names anyway. I think a lot of us who are here in this audience and watch this show and in this community, we a, a lot of us started as liberals, like longtime Democrat voting, um, not all of us, but a lot of us. And it's the craziness of the left that kind of pushes true liberals to the right because true, liberal, true, true liberals, excuse me, are driven by our ethics, our morality, our understanding, our belief and awareness of you know, what's true and what's not. And when you have the left promoting pedophilia and normalizing grooming of kids and pushing for GMOs and mandatory injections of unknown things, I mean, they've literally gone crazy and talk about jumping the shark or going off the rails. And it causes anybody with a working brain and the ability to do uh, critical thinking to really question what they're seeing and what's happening. And that, you know, now if you question anything, you're called the worst names in the world and, you know, a a conservative, like God forbid. And it's just, that's where we're at. So I see Scott Adams saying people didn't take the shot because we don't trust government. And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But really it's because we listened to the experts, not the fake experts they put on TV to give you the propaganda, 
right? But the real experts that were censored. So again, it was my liberal values where I went to law school as a liberal and I learned that free speech is defined at the boundaries of what's allowed to be said by the people that you don't like. And if the people you hate the most and don't like and don't agree with anything they say, if they are free to say the things that offend you and make you angry and make you not want to listen to them and you don't wish that they weren't speaking what they're saying, but they're allowed to say it, that's how you know in a healthy society that free speech exists. Because if the person you don't like doesn't have the freedom to say things you don't want to hear, then how are you going to have the freedom to say things that people who don't like you don't want to hear? So it works both ways. And that's why we have to have more robust freedoms rather than more restrictions to speech. Now, I showed a bunch of clips last week from Davos and I kept a couple of them loaded up because I thought in context it might help to just take a look back at what they were saying last week. And um, I want to play this quick clip here of, if I could find it here in my list. Um, this is, oh yeah, here we go. This is on stage at Davos. Um, one of the ladies from the European Union talking to Brian Stelter from formerly from CNN, now a Harvard fellow. And she's talking about how they have hate crime, criminal speech in the EU that prevents people from speaking freely and threatens people with jail time if they offend people with their speech. And she makes an offhanded remark that speech crime laws are coming to the United States soon. Okay, and they laugh it off like they know what's going to happen here because they, you know, pay off Biden and they pay off everybody in the regime to do their bidding. And they know that they want to have this thing happen in the United States. So here's what they're planning to do with speech in the United States. Well, we need the people who understand the language and the case law in the country, mm. because what qualifies as hate, hate speech, as illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the U.S. I think that um, we, we have a strong reason why we have this uh, in the criminal law. Uh, we, uh, we need the platforms uh, to simply work with, with the language and to identify such cases. The AI would be too dangerous. Okay, so they need the platforms to identify the hate speakers and make criminals out of us so that they can stop us from talking. So what we're going to do for today's show is we're going to look at some new videos and some new posts and some new articles that have come up that show that the needle is moving and people are starting to wake up and be aware of some of these things like the grooming of kids and the fake vaccines. And so um, we're just going to get into it. Okay, I'm going to look at different things. So the first, uh, let me share my screen. I'm looking here at, oh, hold on. Let me turn on my little green screen there. Okay. Uh, here's a video I'm going to show you with woke teachers bragging about indoctrinating four and five-year-olds with gender identity propaganda. Okay, so let's look at the video first and then we'll come back and we'll look at the article 
Um, welcome to the show, Dan Davidson on DLive. So we've got Twitch and DLive happening now and Getter. Uh, come join the uh, fun. You guys be watching the show. Drop some comments. Dan, it's good to see you on the live show. Let's take a look at this video of um, the teachers. Let me see. Teacher groomers. Okay, here we go. I'll be right back and we'll look at the article after we look at this video. Today, I wanted to introduce you to a new friend in our class. Well, this Huckleberries is my friend Nash. It's their first day in our class. They're just looking around at all of you and they're so curious to know who you all are. Today uh, was fun. It was really interesting though, knowing going in being like, I don't know what questions kiddos are gonna have or what they're gonna say, um, which is both like nervous, racking, but also kind of exciting. It's that place of um, not knowing as a teacher and just being okay with that. And the friend likes to ask the question, are you a boy or a girl? And Nash answers, I'm just a kid. But a kid. But kids can be boys or girls. They can be boys or girls. Yeah. Or maybe non-binary. Yeah. It was just like non-binary, yeah. That's just something that we know. (laughs) This is something, I mean, it's like they're four and five years old, and they just didn't make a big deal out of being a boy or a girl. And I think it was a huge testament to how much we've been talking about it in the classroom that you never mentioned the term non-binary. It was a child who brought that up because it's constantly in conversation. Yeah, just like me. So Nash, just like me, is non-binary. So they aren't sure if they're a boy or a girl. So when people ask them, are you a boy or a girl? Right now they just feel like saying, I'm a kid. They're figuring it out. Why does he like, does he like stars? They like stars. They like stars. Yeah. And they are really... They wore their star shirt because it's their favorite shirt. And because they were nervous today, they thought they would wear something that makes them feel special. Okay, so uh, we're going to welcome crazy lady Jane to the live show. What's going on, Jane? Welcome to the show. Um, And uh, let's see. (laughs) Saying hey to Steely Dan. That's Steely Dan Davidson here coming in from DLive. So we got Jane and Dan on DLive. This is great. Um, Dan says, I'd rather have my kids raised by wolves in the forest than this nonsense. It's pretty crazy, right? So looking at the article uh, out of InfoWars, the teachers seem to be overjoyed uh, to see the children use the buzzwords like they and non-binary. And of course, um, you know, look, we're not here to... People are confused, okay? It's, there was this thing called gender dysphoria. People don't know what gender they are. And people who are raised or led to believe through gaslighting and fake news and propaganda and fake corrupt sciences and bought off sciences that are doing the will of the World Economic Forum pushing this trans agenda um, are told that boys can become girls and girls can become boys and um, 
you know, men can bleed from their vaginas and have periods and they can get pregnant and women can have penises. And you just don't know when someone's born, if they're a boy or a girl, it's not like the old days where the doctor looks down and sees if you have a penis and says, congratulations, you have a boy. And, or if you have a vagina and they say, congratulations, you have a girl. Now, they don't want to tell you if it's a boy or a girl because they want to wait and confuse the kid and make the kid feel like they could be either or. And the kid will decide later. Um, none of this is being done on accident. None of it's being done by design. And it's all being done by design to really confuse kids. So it's, you know, of course we know gender is a function of biological sex. God made man and women in his image, okay? He made them man and woman, okay? So uh, whether you're a woman or a man, you were made by God as an image bearer of God. We're all equals, okay? If you're an adult and you wanna mess with your biology and you wanna change your body parts and you wanna do all that stuff, it is your choice. You can take that up with God. Um, there's probably better Christians than me who would say that you should... Um, you know, I should have a talking to with you about um, not going to hell and stuff like that. And I, I just, I maybe I'm a bad Christian. Maybe I'm not quite there yet where it's like, I talk about the things that really resonate with me as true. I think as true, you have men and you have women in the world and people who want to be non-binary are kind of mentally deluded okay they have um, gender dysphoria or some kind of mental disorder and if they into the pronouns and they're all offended if you use the wrong pronoun then it's like they're just narcissists because the textbook definition of a narcissist is that everything revolves around you and that everyone has to bend their will to serve your needs and your insecurities and all of that so it's um that's why we kind of mock and we make fun of it. It's not individual people we're making fun of. It's the entire concept that a man could become a woman or a woman be could become a man. Um, so uh, Dan says there's XX or there's XY. It's not a buffet, right? It's well put. It's well put because you could be an adult and you could get these things and now they want you know, to do this gender mutilation to kids and they chop off healthy breast tissue of girls and they're mutilating um, boys and their penises. And we used to really look in horror at like, we used to say, oh, the African villages that do female genital circumcision and they cut the clitoris off or um, forced uh, genital mutilation of males. There's a big anti-circumcision movement. Um, we look at it like it's if it's not voluntary, it's torture and it's child abuse. And yet now the medical establishment, the schools, the government, they're all in on it, on twisting these kids' minds and mutilating their bodies. It's really disturbing, okay? And so uh, the needle is moving because people are posting about this um, on Twitter, let me show you this article. You have Jordan Chamberlain at Jordy Lancaster on Twitter who posted that video and said um, just yesterday, this was shown to daycare owners in North Carolina. A teacher used a doll to teach gender identity to four to five year olds. 
When a child brings up non-binary, the teachers say it's a huge testament to how much we've been talking about it in the classroom and it's constantly in conversation. So in other words, they're mind fucking these kids. They're gen they're mutilating their brains. They're getting them all twisty into what their uh, what their beliefs are. And there you have it. So that's the first story of the day. Um, let me get some comments here from the fam. Uh, from BG on Getter. Teachers normalizing and projecting trans uh, agenda is godless commie bastards, right? Because first you take God out of the equation. That's what all these Marxist communists do. And then once there's no God, they can replace that with idol, uh, idolatry, idolizing the state and the government and thinking we're better than God and creating our own genders. Um, it's pretty, pretty scary, okay? Um, let's hear from Jane here uh, about the tomboy issue. Uh, I was a tomboy, Jane says. I didn't want a willy, though. Well, tongue-in-cheek, I'm a woman and love my masculine man. Um, there was somebody else I forget who posted on Twitter that she loved to be a tomboy when she was a young girl. And thank God her parents didn't turn her into a boy because now she's a feminine grown woman. But she loves her tomboy side and thinking back in, of the fun she had, you know, playing with the boys and tomboying and climbing trees and doing kind of masculine stuff doesn't mean that you need to chop off the breast tissues and make them the opposite sex. That's where it becomes abuse. And um, something I happened on yesterday on Twitter, uh, somebody posted something about parents who groom their children to be transgender and the ones who uh, basically hold their children up as badges of honor saying, hey, I have these trans kids, so aren't I a great woke parent? And I asked a question like, it sounds like Munchausen by proxy syndrome, you know, where like a parent makes her kids sick so that she could get uh, bonus points from the community for being a caring mother because she has a sick kid, but it turns out the mother's making the kid sick, poisoning the kid or whatever. And this seems a lot like that. It's poisoning the kids' minds with the trans ideology and the woke um, concepts that if you're a girl and you're a tomboy, maybe you're really a boy and you should get gender affirming hormones, which means genital mutilation and um, a mutilation of the child's natural development process. Um, hey, Dawn. Dawn's here. Uh, welcome, Dawn. Welcome your dog, Taco, and your little dog, too. Um, trans kids are the new purse dog. That's really well said. Um, oh, look, I have one, too. That's what Dawn's saying. That's interesting. You know, like the purse dog, the ladies who keep their dogs in their little purse and they bring them in. It's true. That was the big thing a few years ago. Now it's like, who has a trans kid? And it started with all the actors. I wish I had that picture here uh, of all the actors in Hollywood with children who they have cross-genderized and boys that they dress like girls and vice versa. And there's like a whole grid I saw of at least six um, Hollywood celebrities with their uh, transgender, quote-unquote, children. It, only my opinion here, but a there is no such thing... <laughs> as a transgender child, unless you're grooming and sexually abusing your child, okay? So when somebody holds up a sign or a tweet or something and they say, 
I have a transgender child. Like they say I have a transgender child. What I see is I'm sexually grooming and molesting and abusing my own child. Okay. That is what I think a transgender child is. A transgender child by definition is a child that's being groomed and sexually abused. Okay. Either sexually abused physically, sexually, or their minds are being screwed and abused and that's grooming and pushing them towards this sexual identity. Um, Otherwise, children are not sexual beings and they're not heterosexual or homosexual beings. They're just kids and they develop their sexuality when they get older. And if you try and force that on them when they're younger, um, you're a pedophile. Okay. And so that's what we're looking at. Right. So anyone have any more comments on that? Feel free to um, comment on there. Um uh, Jane's agreeing with me. I see mental health issues, or as uh, Evan just said. Um, let me do this other story that kind of dovetails into this story, okay? So this is an article from townhall.com. And it says, tapes, we investigated, this came out just the other day on the 17th. As we're recording this, it's the 25th today. Um we investigated a suburban LGBTQ pedophile ring. Here's what we found. Did you guys hear this story? Um, these are uh, the content warning. It says this article contains graphic descriptions of child sexual abuse. Reader discretion is advised. So if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this podcast, it may not be kid uh, family friendly. What I'm about to read. I'm going to keep this uh, up on the screen here. And just read to you, okay? Uh, a months-long town hall investigation reveals disturbing new details about the affluent LGBTQ activist couple, gay couple, accused of sodomizing their young adopted sons, raping their young adopted sons, ages now 9 and 11 years old, okay? And distributing homemade child pornography of the sexual abuse. Half a year after the shocking story made national news, Town Hall is the only outlet following up on the criminal case in Georgia that has since seen zero headlines written about it. Isn't that interesting? The mainstream news that normalizes pedophilia will not report on child sexual abuse cases. Um, so what's wrong with our media? Why does the media refuse to report on child sexual abuse by gay people, particularly? Um, so town hall has investigated and they say what they found is in bold far, far worse than what was first reported. So not only are the mainstream news failing to report on this, but the reporting that was done is incredibly surface level and doesn't even get into it. So let's talk about, uh, what's going on in this article and let me continue here. Not only did the married men allegedly rape the two boys who were adopted through a Christian special needs adopted agency, how evil is that? They were pimping out their children to nearby pedophiles in Atlanta area suburbs, town hall's follow-up investigation discovered. 
uh, recorded jailhouse calls, a trove of never before seen court documents and testimony from a family member who spoke exclusively with Town Hall uh, uncovered the extent of the physical and emotional trauma that the two elementary school aged brothers endured as well as the red flags that the state overlooked during the same sex couples faster than expected adoption process, okay? So what, we're not saying that all gay people are child molesters, not at all. We're saying that some are, and they're hiding under the cloak of this quote-unquote protected status of gayness um, or LGBTQ, and they hide behind that and use it as a shield while they are perpetrating some of the most heinous, violent, sexual, perverted crimes on young children, and they're getting cover from the mainstream media who will not report on it because it goes against their narrative that gay people can do no wrong and that trans people can do no wrong and that there's no such thing as pedophilia. Like their narrative is exploded because it's so fake. So when we talk about uh, moving the needle today, this is what we're talking about. So here's pictures uh, from their Instagram of the kids and the fathers together holding hands at the beach. And it looks like, you know, a nice little family. And, um, okay, that's the Zulok family on vacation at the beach. Uh, as Town Hall, Hall reported in August, the suspects were darlings of the LGBTQ media. Now here's where it gets interesting, right? They were part of an anti-gay hate campaign promoting no hate, that's a hashtag N-O-H and the number eight, no hate, and Out Magazine, which holds the nation's highest circulation among LGBTQ monthly publications and has repeatedly asked them if its website's pride page can feature their photos taken at the Atlanta Pride Parade. Okay, so here's the charges for these uh, pedophile fathers, gay pedophiles, okay? The adoptive father's 33-year-old government worker. So again, here is a gay guy working for the government, raping and pimping out his young boys to other pedophiles. Um, and people wonder why we shouldn't trust the government or the mainstream media. So 33-year-old government worker, William Dale Zulock Jr. And 35-year-old banker, Zachary Zach Jacoby Zulock who were previously accused of raping a child from Oxford, Georgia, have been indicted by a grand jury on charges of incest, aggravated sodomy, that's anal rape, aggravated child molestation, that's all kinds of other rape, felony sexual exploitation of children, that's pimping the kids out to other pedophiles, and felony prostitution of a minor, that's turning them out uh, as prostitutes. William and Zachary are each facing over nine life sentences. They've pleaded not guilty. I would be surprised if they do a lot of time. I think they're going to get cover run for them, but we'll see. So according to a court copy, a copy of the 17 count indictment, Town Hall obtained this indictment. The adoptive dads, okay, here's the uh, graphic warning guys, okay? The adoptive dads allegedly performed oral sex on both boys. They forced the children to perform oral sex on them. They anally raped their sons. 
Uh, in at least one instance, the anal rape injured the older Zulak child who had just turned 11 years old in mid-December. Court records indicate that the child sexual abuse stretches back to as early as late 2019 and intensified in January of 21, March of 21, December of 21, as the offense dates are listed. The brothers were enrolled in third and fourth grade respectively before the men were caught in a midnight July bust at the Zulak mansion. So, <coughs> excuse me, let me take a sip of water. So they had a mansion where they were abusing their children and uh, they were caught in a midnight July bust, which ended with Zachary tackled to the ground and William hauled out of the house naked by armed officers, okay? The two Zulak boys whose faces were censored by Zachary Zulak in first and second grade holding academic certificates from the 2019-2020 school year when the child sexual abuse is alleged to have started, okay? William admitted to forcing his 11-year-old adopted son to perform an act of sodomy, aka oral copulation on him with the intent to satisfy his own sexual desire so he wanted his son to give him a blowjob until he came in his son's mouth, okay? That's what that means. And he has a sworn affidavit in support of uh, William's overnight arrest back on July 27th. Town halls redacted the children's names to protect the identities of the underage victims. Um, affidavit in support of William Zulak's arrest. Uh, an updated criminal affidavit says the child sexual abuse was filmed by William's husband, Zachary, with whom he routinely engaged in sexually abusive acts on the boy. Zachary, the household's breadwinner, confessed to being the cameraman, and authorities allegedly found a folder on his cell phone labeled Us that contained videos of William sexually abusing the child. Okay? The indictment also charges Zulak, uh, the Zulak co-defendants, that's Zachary and William, with soliciting two other men through the use of popular social media platforms in the greater Atlanta metropolitan region to perform an act of prostitution with their child that suffered physical injuries from being brutally raped. So they adopt these young boys, they rape them, sodomize them, oral sex, anal rape, pimping out prostitution to other men, um, like really injuring these young boys, right? Because you think of how little they are and how big these grown men are in relation and sticking the thing into the thing. It just, it's what could go wrong, right? And so um, they're brutally raping these kids. Town Hall is the first to publicly identify these two alleged members of a pedophile ring in the heart of the Peach State. Uh, these are two other men that they were pimping out to. 27-year-old Hunter Clay Lawless and 25-year-old Luis Armando Vizcaro Sanchez, both of Loganville. Okay, so now we're looking on screen of these two guys who are raping the kids. And um, they named those two. And then it says Lawless, who snitched on the Zulocks, told local law enforcement he received numerous messages via Snapchat from Zachary about, quote, fucking his son tonight 
and to, quote, be prepared to receive images as well as videos of the father raping his adoptive child. And that's all in the affidavit that we're looking at on the screen. This is disgusting, right? And so um, let's see. Uh, let me just get some comments while I'm doing this. Um, it's like, a, uh, I'm just going to put on these comments and keep covering this story, okay? So uh, Zachary met Lawless through a mutual contact, an unidentified man going only by the first name Blake on the gay dating app Grinder. okay? Following the virtual introduction, Zachary sent photos and videos to Lawless of a little boy he referred to as his son. And then he says, quote, I'm going to fuck my son tonight, stand by. Zachary allegedly messaged Lawless on Snapchat and then sent pictures of himself sexually abusing his 11-year-old child, okay? Perfectly normal, healthy, uh, behavior, according to uh, libtards and woketards. And the media, besides for townhall.com, doesn't see fit to report on this at all because they had made these adult gay child rapists heroes in their propaganda campaign to normalize the lifestyle, and now they're stuck. If they report on it, they have to acknowledge that they made a mistake holding this community and these people up as some kind of cultural heroes, they're actually child rapist monsters, okay? So he says he's gonna fuck his son. Um, he shows pictures to this guy of him raping his 11-year-old child. And then Lawless apparently, I think, was disturbed by this and went to the police. Um, he said after he was busted, Lawless denied having any physical contact with the Zerlock boys, but told law enforcement officers that Zachary invited him multiple times to engage in sexual acts with him and his two children. So it's unclear how he was arrested, Lawless, and what he was arrested for. Uh, it looks like from the article, he didn't just go to the police. It looks like he was arrested. Um, a list of the state's evidence includes 100 and 49 images collected at the Zulox home, two flash drives containing Zach and Lawless's phone data, sexual assault nurse examination, parentheses sane, results from the children's medical forensics exams, which gathered DNA evidence such as bodily fluids and documented injuries, a text message from Lawless, a Snapchat letter, two written letters from the older Zulock child, and a disc containing a data dump from Vizcaro Sanchez's iPhone uh, and iPad. Um, a phone, a, a photo of a daddy shirt is also an evidentiary item listed by the DA's office. Police had found clothes in the older Zulak child's bedroom that matched the clothing the boy was wearing in the videos and, uh, and photos that Zach allegedly had sent Lawless, okay? So he sent pictures of him abusing his young son. His young son was wearing this particular T-shirt and then they found pictures of the same T-shirt uh, in the phone so they can put it all together and know that these fathers are the ones that got the shirts for the kids and made the kids wear the shirts and abused the kids in the shirts and sent the pictures of them abusing their kids in the shirts to other men to supposedly abuse them. 
Years ago, Zachary had proudly displayed a child-sized So Cool Like Dad t-shirt he received as a gift at his adoption shower. Um, the relative on Zachary's side of the family who agreed to speak with Town Hall on the condition of anonymity grilled Zachary during a series of recorded phone conversations in the fall of 22 who, uh, on who is exactly lawless and how he knows the suspect. Uh, quote, I mean, like I said, I mean, not everything that's being said is accurate or true. So I mean, and I'm not trying to lose everything. Zachary, who's being held separately from William while in pretrial detainment, replied, Zachary was transferred to Barrow County Detention Center and placed under maximum security due to the nature of the charges, a jail staffer told Town Hall. Um, does this guy Lawless know you at all or is it some random thing? He's just trying to rat somebody, the relative asked. Um, so last time he was here, I told him something. This is Zachary responding. And it's, I told you last time he was here, I wrote him down something and gave it to him. Um, it's something around those lines, but more Zachary responded vaguely without explaining further. Zachary insisted in a separate phone call. Um, all I can say is, you know, it's not all true. That's all I can say. I need someone in the family who doesn't hate me, Zachary said. So, I mean, I can't tell you what to feel or I can't cry right now around other people, Zachary pleaded in lockup, audibly starting to sob on the phone. I just need somebody who doesn't hate us, he cried. Just don't forget me, Zachary, beseeched the relative at the end of their first call in September. Zachary began frantically searching for Lawless's profile on Facebook last January, the relative who has access to his social media accounts observed over on Snapchat, Zachary has active unopened chats with multiple men, according to the source. So now we're looking at Zachary's Snapchat, okay, and Hunter Lawless's uh, direct message there. And it says, Zachary, who lists his Snapchat username in his Instagram bio, where the self-described activist brags about being Papa to our two wonderful boys, he says, he admitted to sending such material to less than a dozen people. So he sent, he raped his kids and he sent pictures to about a half a dozen or less than a dozen people. There are other potential co-defendants under investigation that are out there circulating videos of the Zulok boys. Um, so this is one of these things that will continue to traumatize these boys because their pictures are going to be out there on the internet forever. Um, Al Kavoy Judicial Circuit District Attorney Randy McGinley, who serves Walton County, told the court at a September 7th bond hearing, according to a transcript provided to Town Hall, they just view underage boys as sex objects, McGinley said, of the Zulak co-defendants at the virtual court appearance. It sure seems like that. So now we're looking at pictures of their mansion. Looks like a lovely house unless you're being anally raped by your fathers. Um, if you're like 9, 10, 11 years old and you live in a nice mansion like that, it would normally be nice, right? Unless both of your fathers are anally raping you and forcing you to have sex with them um, and their friends and stuff like that. Um, otherwise, it seems like a perfectly nice house, okay? So um, raid and seizure. Um, how did they get them through the vetting if they have previous? Yeah, good questions, right? I think it was rushed because, you know, LGBTQ, that's all you need to say. It's like, child, please. 
LGBTQ, child, please. And they just hand them right over. Um, so here's more information from the article about the raid and the seizure of the materials in the house. Since the Zulocks have been taken into custody, uh, the town hall article goes on, the married men's assets have been seized. Their vehicles have been forfeited. Their home is now the property of the state with a lien filed against it. The Zulocks couple, the Zulock couple's criminal defense attorney, Johnny Haldi, said in court, adding that a sign on the Zulock house says, do not enter property of the Walton County Sheriff's Office, right? Would you want to live in a house where like the, the prior family was like a gay couple that anally raped their underage boys over and over and over again and pimped them out? It's kind of like, would you want to move into a house where murders happened or something like that? Um, it's got to be some weird mojo, some, bring some major sage over to that house uh, if anyone's going to live there again, okay? So um, here goes uh, more article. It's BS that they took our house. A frustrated William stuck in Walton County Jail protested via an hour-long phone call with the Zulock family insider. He says they seized the house, everything inside of it, all our cars on the property, William said of the seizure. These guys are such sociopaths, in other words, that they don't understand that they did heinous crimes and that they're being punished for it and they're going to lose all of their freedom and their possessions because what they did was so horrific to abuse children like this and they feel like they're the victims, okay? William recounted the night of the armed raid on the Zulok residence. They came in at 11.30 at night. I was asleep, William says. Zach was asleep. They were going to bust down our door if Zach didn't open the door. The relative asked, they rammed the door down? William says they were about to, but Zach heard them knocking and he actually went and opened the door. They slammed him on the floor. And um, I hate to say this, but William paused momentarily, chuckling in a lower voice. I don't sleep in clothes, he said. So they arrested me in my bed naked, William complained. And they walked me across my front yard, put me in a police cruiser with no clothes. They wouldn't even let me get gym shorts or anything. William added that he sat naked in the back seat of the patrol car until approximately 4 a.m. the following morning while they searched our house for God knows what. Now, can I just hop in here for a second? And just say, this is one thing about police and arrests like um, that I don't agree with. I think that there should be, it, it doesn't matter. Like people are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty in this country. If you bust someone's door down or bust into their house and they're sleeping in bed and they're naked and you're going to put them in your police car, make them sit there for 40 minutes and then bring them to jail and lock them up. Let them put on some fucking clothes. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? police. That's all I have to say. It's like, I'm sorry, but like some human dignity to let somebody put on some clothes before you put them out there in jail. It's fine. The guy's a heinous criminal and he should be punished for what he did. But the police abuses of people not letting them put on clothes before they get arrested. There's no excuse for that. There's no legitimate reason for that. And I personally have a real problem with that. I think cops have their heads up their asses to be able to, and I know these guys love to put stuff up their asses, but not the cops. But the cops have their heads way up their asses and should get their heads out of their asses if they think it's okay to bust into people's houses in the middle of the night and 
arrest them, it's fine. They were horrible criminals, yes. They deserve to be in jail, yes. Let them put on some fucking clothes before you take them into prison or bring them outside. It's just ridiculous. And I just, I see no reason for it. And it doesn't help anything in terms of um, PR for cops, okay? And you want to like people think cops are under the gun and they have a hard job and people don't give cops enough respect and they're all being defunded and they're being criminalized and victimized. Don't fucking act like tyrant assholes and maybe you'll have more people on your side, okay? So I'm not defending the rapist, pedophile, gay couple at all, but I just, I think that whenever cops do that, it's wrong, okay? That's just my two cents on that. I'm sure it may not be a popular opinion. Maybe people think these guys got what they deserve. They should be humiliated. They should be dragged out in public. Like, I get it. There's, there's an argument to be made for that. I would like to see police officers act with more dignity and more respect for humanity. And if a guy's a bad guy, let that be worked out in the courts. You know what I mean? Um, because they do that to men, they can do that to women and they can arrest women and march them out with no clothes. And it's, it's basically sadistic and abusive policing and I don't agree with it at all. So I had to give my two cents on that. Um, so now we're looking at a naked picture of William. Is that William? Yeah, naked on the beach uh, with his butt kind of pixelated out. Uh, it's probably from his Instagram or it's probably from his Snapchat or something, it doesn't say. So uh, William goes on and says, you can tell in Zach's mugshot that he has a big bruise on the left side of his face, the family member said. Um, William says, yeah, because they slammed him against the floor in the foyer. He had bruises on his knees, his face. They come in blazing with AK-47s or whatever, William continued. We're calling about 10 to 15 officers. They were doing like a drug bust or something, he says, because they come in screaming and hollering and overkill, William whined. I'm pretty sure they ransacked the whole house. Um, he says, I think they took our house because they think there was extra money coming in from somewhere. And we're like in our 30s and have this big giant house. And they didn't think we could afford it, William says, describing the custom-built home he designed. The couple's dream home, the article goes on, sits on a two-acre secluded cul-de-sac in a private, prestigious, upscale neighborhood where pre-existing houses are selling for as much as 900 grand. Construction of the mansion from the ground up took only half a year in 2020. The kids loved the forest behind us and the playroom for all their toys, William wrote in a post celebrating completion of the house. Um, beforehand, the Zulocks lived out of a small house in Snellville, which neighbors Loganville at the time the boys were adopted. The couple's lavish lifestyle began to materialize about a year after the Zulock men got the boys, the family insider told Town Hall. In addition to the Zulocks considering purchasing the adjacent property, Zach told friends they were looking to buy a condo over the next few years somewhere in the Gulf Shores and Orange Beach along the southern tip of Alabama's White Sand coastline. Getting ideas for our next house, William had cheekily captioned in a picture taken in North Carolina outside of the Biltmore Estate, a 250-room 8,000 acre castle that is considered America's largest home and belongs to the industrialist Vanderbilt family, okay? William went on <coughs> to accuse Walton County law enforcement officials of spinning some lies to seize our house, asserting 
This is William speaking. I've come to find out that most of these police officers in this county smudge and lie just so they can get a higher conviction rate. Me and Zach worked our butts off for everything we've had, William later declared. You, you certainly worked your children's butts off. Um, <coughs> sorry, too soon. But um, boom, uh, Let me see here. Uh, Jane uh, says, gives cop... Give cops respect. Cops here in the UK, they expect three cases a week for rape, sexual assault. That's by the establishment uh, meant to protect. Yeah, I don't have any respect for cops that march naked people out of their homes in the middle of the night. I just don't. I just don't. Um, and so, DA McGinley explained in an email to Town Hall that his office had filed a civil complaint seeking to forfeit the Zulok property. Forfeitures are a civil proceeding, but handled by my office, McGinley wrote. In response, the Zulocks filed an answer, and then McGinley's office filed a motion for a more definitive statement, which states that the answer was insufficient under the law. The two men were both denied bond when Judge Foster determined that the co-defendants are threats to children in the community, you think, um, their flight risks, they're at risk to commit new felony offenses and could intimidate and influence victims or witnesses. I think that was a good call by Judge Foster. Uh, that was a sack of bricks that was dropped on everybody at the bond hearing, William commented to the relatives. So poor William, poor Zachary, okay? Inside the gayest place in town, nestled within a suburban paradise, the Zulok mansion turned House of Horrors had surveillance cameras installed in every square foot of the property, the family member told Town Hall. There was also a secret windowless room the size of a closet without any doors hidden behind a movable bookcase in the home office that the cops left open, which felt something like out of a horror movie. The relative said another creepy interior room devoid of any windows was purportedly used as a home theater. OK, LGBTQ pride paraphernalia littered the family's extravagantly furnished four bedroom, five bathroom house, plus a packed three car garage, including a rainbow Mickey Mouse stuffed animal placed atop a love above all pillow on the foyer's love seat where Zachary was swarmed by the SWAT team and a neon love is love sign that adorned the kitchen's granite countertop. So we're looking at those pictures now on the screen if you're watching the video. And if you're listening to the Substack or Apple podcast version of this podcast, um, you can always find the video version of this episode in the article on Substack. So we're in the same article at eventalks.substack.com where you'll find um, the audio podcast, you will always find a link somewhere in the article, usually with a clickable image that launches my blog and this very video where you can watch the video version. So that way people can watch or listen or read whatever medium works for you. I wanna be able to get you the information and commentary uh, that you need that we're doing here, okay? So the lamps pro-inclusivity phrase, we're going back to now the neon sign that says love is love, okay? Love is love is a motto of the pedophiles, okay? So what they're saying is love is love. If we want to love on our nine-year-old 
boys and anally rape them when we're in our 30s. These are these guys talking about their kids. Love is love. You know, we love our sons, so I'm going to go fuck our sons. That's basically what they're arguing. And the love is love thing is something you'll find in a lot of trans pedo propaganda and the trans rights movements and Twitter tweeting out things with hashtags love is love. And just know when you see that love is love, that is the slippery slope to pedophilia. And you see it right here. It's no slippery slope at all. These are convicted or arrested um, child rapists, okay? Gay child rapists. I don't even know why they call themselves LGBTQ. They're just gay pedophiles. Um, so uh, the LAMPS, I'm back to the town hall article, the LAMPS pro-inclusivity phrase, a mainstream LGBTQ mantra that self-styled minor attracted persons or MAPs, those are pedophiles, have co-opted in a rebranding campaign that attempts to normalize sexual attraction to children and it's one that Zachary frequently promoted online. So here's a post of Zach J. Zulock on what looks like Instagram. And it says, it's a turtle. Okay, let me explain this for the listeners. We're looking at a picture of a turtle hiding inside his shell. So the outside of the shell kind of looks like military camo and like protective gear. And the inside turtle is all painted in the LGBTQ. It's a cartoon turtle. He's all painted in the rainbow pride flag. And he's kind of hiding inside the shell. And what Zach Zulock had posted in big letters above the picture says, it's okay if you're not ready yet. Okay. And then Zach says, I love this illustration. Even in 2020, some people are afraid to come out and be themselves because of fear of rejection from friends, family, coworkers, or society. Sad. And then he does the hashtag, love is love. And then another hashtag, love wins. It's another pedophile thing. And then another one, equality, hashtag, equal, uh, hashtag LGBTQ, plus I love turtles, he says. Um, and so the Zulocks own a collection of exotic pets, including a gopher tortoise, which Georgia recognizes as a protected species in violation of state law, according to a ticket issued by the Georgia Department of Nat uh, Natural Resources. In the interests of judicial economy, the state moved to dismiss the citation, giving the alarming lot of life sentences the Zulock co-defendants are facing, Okay. So they're going to jail and prison maybe for life, it says, but not for owning a tortoise. Okay, so that's good to know. Um, Zachary, a Biden voter and ardent Black Lives Matter advocate who championed left-wing causes on Facebook, also posted images of the house's exterior where a welcome mat emblazoned with the gayest place in town sat at the front door. So this is a post on his Facebook Um where it's got two mats on two different doors and one of them has a rainbow flag behind it and it says gayest place in town and that's the front door. And then the side door has a other mat that says it's basically a zoo in here, okay? So that's fine unless you understand what's going on inside, then it becomes horrific, okay? So now the uh, article goes on. Uh, 
Our business is our business. What happens in our home stays in our home, the gay couple allegedly told their abused sons. So this is what abusers tell their children. Remember, their kids were 9 and 11 at the time, or like 8 and 10 possibly at the time. And they're raping their kids. They're forcing them to have oral sex. They're having anal sex with their young kids. And then they're basically telling the kids, hey, what happens in our home stays in our home. Um, it's our business. Don't talk about it to anyone else. So that's, that's the grooming and the abuse that... Uh, perpetrators give their victims to say they have a special relationship and they shouldn't be telling anyone about it because it's just a family matter. The article goes on. Beyond the child sexual abuse, as punishment during after-school hours, the Zulok boys were forced to stand in a corner for eight hours straight over back-to-back -back days, only being allowed to move to either eat or use the bathroom. William was also witnessed slapping their younger son hard in the face. They were just abused every possible way, the relative told Town Hall. And there's no explanation that I can see for why they punished the kids um, during after-school hours, forcing them to stand in the corner for eight hours straight, two days in a row. The relative asked Zachary if he's worried about the two boys and wondering where his sons are. He says... I mean, yeah, but I definitely can't talk about that. But um, I mean, yeah. And then I'm concerned about the house and everything, he says, because, you know, nothing's being paid, obviously, because I'm here. The longer that things go on, the worse that gets, he responded. Then he says, the sooner we get out, the sooner I can manage our finances because things are going to start piling up. Uh, William is concerned as well about bills and monthly expenses. He says, we do have like subscription stuff that needs canceled, like Disney Plus, Amazon Video. All that needs to be canceled because it's auto hitting our credit card, William stressed. The boys were just another commodity to them, the family member voiced to Town Hall. And then there's more pictures of their, fan, of their house. It looks like a really lovely house. It's like too bad for the boys. It was a horror scenario of constant rape and abuse um let's see uh looks like jane's gotta go it's getting late over there down under um take care jane love you thank you for coming to the show god bless and um this replay let me do a little announcement really quick um and we'll come back to this article the article's almost done um an announcement that the last few weeks, I've been getting this show done on Wednesdays, and then I've been posting the podcast version to Substack and my blog and sending out those emails on the following Monday. So today is Wednesday, so just two days ago, I published the show from last week, which was the show about Davos. I am going to try my very, very, very hardest to get every week's show up on Friday from now on of each week. So that way it's closer to where the live show happens. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen to make the podcast. It's, oh, you're in England, not um, Aussie. Okay, thanks, Jane. Um, thanks for reminding me that. Um, so today's Wednesday. I'm going to be tomorrow working on getting everything together for Friday so that I can post the podcast and the blog post and the Substack post and get that out. So from now on, that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the live show on Wednesday and the podcast and related blog posts up on Friday. And then 
once I get that rhythm down, I am going to start adding more reporting on Substack. Okay, evantalks.substack.com. And I'm going to start doing some exclusive reporting for my paid Substackers. Okay, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, the handful of you who have come on early as paid Substackers, I really appreciate you guys. And I uh, urge everyone to subscribe to my Substack, free or paid. Uh, where you'll get the automated emails that go out every time I publish an article and a podcast or whatever it is. And that is going to continue to have more often posting and different types of posting as we move through this year, 2023. Okay, we're just getting started. Uh, that Substack basically just launched end of November. So we're still getting up and running. And thank you, everyone, for your support. I need it. I depend on it. And I appreciate it. So thank you for that. So let's go back here to the article. Uh, Zachary, it says, seems like an animated people pleaser with a penchant for self-promotion. Now the case has destroyed the illusion of who I thought he was, the family member said. What a narcissistic sociopath. Hey, like that was just what I said about these people just about five, 10 minutes ago, okay? A narcissistic sociopath. That's what all these LGBTQ plus plus QIA to this, that, and the other head up their ass. Um, take the toys out of your ass, put your head up your ass or vice versa. If you think that you can co-opt half the letters of the fucking alphabet for your alphabet mafia stupidity. You have your head lodged so far up your ass that you probably can't even fit your butt plugs up there, okay? So enough with the LGBTQIA2++ mafia, okay? Screw you all, your narcissists, your sociopaths. I say take the LGB, the lesbians, gays, and bisexual, and drive a just a dividing wedge there and just stick with your normal gay and bisexual lifestyle and you can take it up with God whether you want to go to heaven or not when you die and see what he says about that, okay? I'm not going to lecture you on that. But the TQ plus IA2, this, that, and the other, you guys got narcissist problems, you've got mental disorders, you have gender dysphoria. I feel badly for you guys, but when you start raping kids, whether you're trans, whether you're gay, whether you're whatever, you're an enemy to society, okay? And so a lot of this stuff happens under the guise of gay rights and trans rights, and it's really important because the needle is moving. This stuff's getting exposed. People are not having it, okay? Society doesn't want this. We don't want gay pedophile groomers grooming our children. We don't want drag queen... Uh, story time hour in the libraries grooming our kids. We just don't want it, okay? I don't even have kids now and I'm talking about America's kids because it's so disturbing to see this. So another relative conveyed to Town Hall's insider, back to the article, that Zachary's overachieving persona was nothing more than a facade to portray a public image of success while the once blue-haired William, who was the quiet and hard-to-read one, always made my skin fucking crawl. This is another relative that's talking to Town Hall. So the family is questioning, in hindsight, how a low-level civil servant and small-town bank teller can indulge in such niceties. 
niceties. After an application was submitted for representation by a public defender, a letter addressed to Williams shows that the county's indigent defense program found he is ineligible, citing equity, ownership, and his spouse's whopping $7,500 a week income. A similar denial memo was also sent to Zachary, who handles their money, pointing to his supposed well-to-do weekly earnings. According to Zachary's since-deleted LinkedIn page, he was a branch coordinator at the SunTrust Bank in Duluth, a career he touts on Pride-themed t-shirts. But the latest Glassdoor data says the position only carries a modest $62,000 in annual pay. So there's a big gap there between $7,500 a week and $62,000 a year. So that's uh, not uh, very clear there. There's a picture here of Zach and William in a rainbow-colored SunTrust t-shirt. And uh, that's Zach wearing that. And William is wearing pride suspenders on a date night at Truist Park. Town Hall contacted the site bank supervisor to confirm whether or not if Zachary is still employed and truly raking in a six-figure salary. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to make any comments. The on-duty manager stated over the phone, we can't verify any information in regards to Zachary's current employment uh, situation at the SunTrust branch or how much money he makes. Um, Zachary took vacation time using leftover paid time off, PTO, for the first week or two in jail. Then he tried to place himself on a leave of absence, but management wouldn't hear his plight. Uh, Quote, I'm pretty sure I don't work there anymore, which is fine because I didn't like it anyway, so it's whatever. But I'm pretty sure I don't have one, a job anymore, Zachary told his family member. And then there's a picture of him in a virtue signaling mask, wearing a t-shirt and a jacket, okay, with uh, some type of rainbow colored letter A on his shirt. I don't know what that means. Uh Let's see, Zachary Zulak dressed for work in, a, oh, a rainbow Atlanta Brave shirt. Okay, so no wonder I don't know what it means. So here we go towards the end of the article here. Back when Zachary was a universal bank specialist at PNC Bank, he and William marched yearly in the Atlanta Pride Parade carrying rainbow born this way pride flags and sporting orange PNC, that's PNC Bank, so PNC shirts made by the Financial Services Corporation, uh, a corporate partner and sponsor of the annual event. The marital partners also participated in AIDS Walk Atlanta year after year. And there's pictures of them at the Pride events wearing their Born This Way flags and their uh, company shirts. Meanwhile, William worked as a supervisor at the county's Georgia Department of Driver Services, DDS, customer service center off of Heritage Parkway where he often assisted teenage student drivers who were seeking to obtain their learner's permit or driver's license. Prior to hiring, all DDS personnel underwent a background check which included a criminal history report. Now, Jane isn't here anymore, but she was asking about how they passed the background checks. Um, Town Hall called DDS headquarters to inquire about Williams' employment status we don't give that information over the phone. The officer investigations told Town Hall. 
I won't be able to give you any personal information about the employee, they said. The only money we had coming in is my paycheck and Zach's paycheck, William, maintained. And then we never told anybody because it wasn't anybody's business, but we get child support for the kids from the state. He revealed to Rollins. So the state was giving them child support money and they were anally raping those children and they're getting paid by the state and then pimping out the kids to other pedophiles. Um, so the family member said, oh, you still get child support from the state? And uh, he says, mm-hmm, until they're 18. I didn't know that happened after they were adopted, the relative stated. William laughing said, I didn't know that either until we adopted them. When questioned about the legal defense paperwork, William countered that's something they pulled out of their rear end. Did you mean the information on the finances or what they said in the bond hearing? The family member asked William, probably about the finances and what Zach makes, William answered, not outright denying what was alleged in the courtroom. And then, wow, this goes to a part two detailing the Zulocks, co-conspirators, the scale of the abuse, and if the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, that's the RICO Act, could be applied to such a case. Um, and then it says part two, just how big was the operation led by the LGBTQ couple who abused their adopted sons? This just goes on and on. And this is a long article. Um, it goes through the first article that we just read. It talks about the other two guys that is Hunter Clay Lawless and Luis Armando Vizcaro Sanchez, um, how they were going to engage in acts of prostitution. Um, hours before the Zulocs were arrested on July 27th, Lawless was apprehended earlier in the day by Walton County detectives on a warrant for felony sexual exploitation of children after downloading child pornography of the older Zulock boy uh, per an affidavit. So that's how he got arrested. Um, authorities were tipped off that Lawless uploaded and stored child sexual abuse material on his Google account. That's really smart. Um, through an emergency cyber tip sent to Nationwide Internet Crimes Against Child Task Force. How stupid are these pedophiles? Like, they have material that proves that they're criminals and they're rapists of children. And they're, where should we save that? Let's put that on our Google account because Google doesn't read everything that gets on its free drives. What idiots. Um, so, all right. One of the photographs which contained metadata indicating it was created with an iPhone on December 9th, 2021, showed a prepubescent child being forced to perform oral sodomy on an adult male. The victim's age was ascertained based on physical size, stature, size relative to the man's penis and facial features, okay? Um... Lawless admitted he knew the sexually abused child was approximately 10 years of age, as well as his legal name. At the time, uh, one child pornographic photo in question was created on the mobile device. The Zulak boy was still nine years old and would turn the age 10 a week later in December of 2021. Um, so law enforcement learned, I mean, this is just disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, law enforcement learned from Lawless there was a secondary suspect 
producing homemade child sexual abuse material with at least one adopted child who lives in the home with the perpetrator. Um, Lawless met Zach through a mutual content named Blake on Grindr. That's a gay hookup app. And received numerous Snapchat messages from Zachary saying he's going to fuck his son that night. And to stand by for graphic visuals of the father raping his child. Um, And as we learned in the last article, Zach kept inviting Lawless multiple times to engage in sex acts with him and his two adopted kids. Um, But Lawless denied that he did anything with the kids. Um, And it goes on from there. So it goes through the uh, arrest. It talks about Lawless as the son of a hairstylist. He lives with his mother. He was quickly released two days after his arrest and has been out on $25,000 bond. Um, Vicaro Sanchez uh, is facing a plethora of unrelated charges, including felony enticing of another child for indecent purposes. A warrant issued for his arrest said that he acknowledged sending a 13-year-old boy who resided in the same home uh, pornographic videos of other children he believed to be the victim's age as a means to coerce the child. Like, hey, look at these kids. They look like they're having fun. Let's do this crazy sexual stuff. It's disgusting. Um, And so the article goes on and talks about what they're being arrested for. Um, They're fraudulently selling Apple gift cards, Nintendo gift cards, Sony gift cards, um, consumable goods. Um, Let's see, they manipulated computer terminals by using unauthorized store coupons, um, hijacking another manager's override code to write up the shoplifted items as paid for, and then pocketing the stolen merchandise. Um, So they go through there, they show their arrest records, um, and it goes into those uh, that story a little bit more. Okay, I'm not going to read this whole article because it is very long and detailed and it's just kind of gross and I can't handle it anymore. So <laughs> that's that first story. And I think that's our main story today. It just shows that the kind of, uh, the veneer is cracking around this whole false narrative that the LGBTQ plus 2A whatever it can do no wrong and that there's no pedophilia going on and stories like this come out and it blows it wide open that pedophilia is happening on a rampant basis and in a lot of times in this case being paid for by the state and it's just uh, absolutely astounding, okay? So... Anyone want to comment about that? I'd be happy to put those comments up. Otherwise, I'm going to go into uh, just a couple other stories. I want to talk about the death jabs and the propaganda going on around the death jabs. Um, Joe Scarborough from MSDNC is on video kind of lamenting that he didn't take his fourth booster shot, even though he admits he got knocked down for months after his third booster shot, okay? Now, this is like where, you know, the Humpty Dumpty thing, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. These brilliant geniuses of the Dems and the woke tards and the forced vaxxers can never seem to put it together that they have given themselves the poison death jabs and that with each booster shot, they are destroying their immune function, okay? 
This goes back to what uh, the Dilbert guy, Scott Adams, has been discovering. And so he says he was knocked down with COVID for months after he took his third booster. So he's sorry that he didn't get his fourth booster. Okay. It's completely twisted around because the unvaccinated can tell you we're not getting COVID and getting knocked down for months. Maybe we had a little bit of a flu or a cold or an Omicron or whatever you want to call it. And it lasted pretty mild and it lasted a little bit of time. We're not getting severely ill. We're not dying suddenly. We're not any of that. Um, Dawn remembers an old show that I did called The Calls Are Coming From The House, which is like they don't realize. Thank you for remembering that. They don't realize like the old horror show, The Calls Are Coming From The House, the infection that they have is the injection that they keep giving to themselves and they just can't put two and two together. They're so stupid and they're so uh, snowed over with the propaganda that the vaccines are safe and effective. They can't see straight that their unjabbed friends and colleagues, if they still have any, are perfectly healthy and we're not getting sick like this. And the ones who are getting sick are multiple jabs. And the more jabs you take, the worse it gets. So three jabs is like a hundred times worse than two jabs and four jabs is like a thousand times worse than three jabs. And it just gets worse and worse on this logarithmic scale that goes like that. So let's look at Scarborough lamenting and just the cognitive dissonance. That's the word I was looking for. The cognitive dissonance to not understand what's happening to you is very sad because these people are going to start getting super sick and they're going to start uh, dropping dead in the next year or two from antibody-dependent enhancement and all the things that Judy Mikovits and um, Sherry Tenpenny and Lee Merritt and all, you know, everyone's been reporting on about why you don't want to take these death jabs. They don't get it yet and they're going to keep injecting and keep thinking they're getting COVID mysteriously and not realizing the injection is the infection. On you know, it's interesting. I, I had not gotten my COVID uh, booster. Mm-hmm. Um, Which one? The fourth. The fourth. Yeah. Because, you know, we went to London, then got COVID. COVID, yeah. Got completely knocked down for a while. Yes, you did. Uh, yeah. Months. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say months. You were knocked down for months. Months? Yes. I wouldn't say months. No, it was a long time. <laughs> so anyway... Weeks. Let's take just no, weeks. I think it was weeks. I, I, I was fatigued for a long it time. It took three months. I'll say it's very interesting, though, uh, because the, the, we're, we're learning a lot more about what, what your, your resistance to COVID may be. Yeah. I, what was that? Back in September, uh, just got, got uh, my checkup and uh, the antibodies are like at 100% right now. Interesting. So for, for it, it kind of works out. But again, we found out, we found out the boosters, the vaccines, they don't, stop the disease, but they certainly do make a big impact. Instead of me being down for a month right. with fatigue, if I'd taken the booster, I would have probably sneezed and said, what was that? And kept going. Exactly. That's the difference. And so I love when people go, oh, I'm not going to cause the difference. So you still get COVID. If I you know. Get that. no, that's, that's, that's not, not the, the purpose of it. That's never been the purpose of the flu shot. And so it builds up your resistance, just like Actually, getting COVID builds up your resistance. Exactly. So keep you from listen. So do yourself a favor, right? And get off the websites that Chinese religious cults are are, are putting as a front, so they can get a stronghold in America and in your mind. And and get yourself a booster shot. It's important. You'll be glad um, you did. One more. Help-
Okay, so let me just help these guys, okay? The injection, Joe, Mika, the injection is the infection. People who aren't getting the injection are not getting the infection, okay? So the unvaccinated who are not dropping dead and dying suddenly and having heart attacks and strokes and myocarditis. I understand an article came out yesterday that says that eggs, <laughs> eggs, you guys, are the cause of heart attacks and strokes and myocarditis. It's, uh, it could be sunlight. It could be getting up too fast, right? It could just be exercise kills people. Um, all these stories have come out in the last year as they're trying to cover for the poison death jabs. And the latest one that came out yesterday is eggs actually is what's causing all this. But you know what's really causing it, you guys, is the poison death jabs. And Dr. Zelenko, um, God rest his soul, before he died, he warned everybody, don't get the poison death jabs and, you know, don't, it's going to destroy your immune function. So the flu shot he brings up and says it was never the point. <clears throat> Quick tangent here, when the flu shots rolled out, I'm going all the way back to maybe the year 19, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s, somewhere in there, uh, the flu shot started rolling out and they really started pushing them out. I got the shot the first year I got sick as a dog, okay? And I was like, wow, that sucked. And it did not increase my resilience. It made me sick, okay? And they called it flu-like symptoms. They're like, oh, the shot didn't give you the flu. You just have flu-like symptoms. And like gaslit and indoctrinated at the time and totally believed it, but it left a kind of indelible feeling of dread. And the next year in flu season, when the flu shots rolled out, I remembered hey, I got really sick last year. Maybe I should stop taking this thing. And yet I was still convinced. That's why I, I feel badly for the people who are indoctrinated and getting all these boosters. Because I remember when I went for my second flu shot in a row and I was already remembering that I got sick the first time, but somehow I was still convinced that to be safe, to just be on the safe side, like the complete inside out opposite of the truth. But the thinking was to be on the safe side, I'll just get the flu shot. So I got it the second year and I got even more sick and I was sick for three, four weeks. And that was back in the you know early 2000, late 1990s. You didn't get the flu for four weeks back then. You know, now it's more common that people are out for three weeks or whatever. It was the most miserable feeling. And I knew for a fact that the shots, the flu shots, were the ones that were to blame. And I've never gotten another shot since then. And I've never believed in shots since then for, uh, for flus and viruses and stuff. So I was very skeptical about the COVID vaccine. But what really set me off, and this goes back to what Scott Adams was saying, the Dilbert guy, uh, on Twitter today, he was like, how did you guys know that didn't take the jab? How did you know the same information that you saw? He's like, I saw the information or maybe I didn't. And he's like, how did you know? The first thing that set off red flags for me, and I think a lot of people was censorship. When you live in a free society, there should be no censorship. You should have freedom of speech. You should be able to say uh, inconvenient truths, uncomfortable things. You should be able to say wrong things. 
You should be able to have ideas and hypotheses and theories, and you should be able to speak those freely. And if people don't like it, they turn the channel or they turn off the video, right? But when they started censoring doctors and other people, even people like me, and we couldn't share the VAERS data of vaccine injuries, or we couldn't share CDC even information about the animals who died in the mRNA tests, and we couldn't share information. To me, that was all I needed. I knew right away if they're censoring people, it means they're hiding something. What are they trying to hide? Then you go to the people who are deplatformed and censored, like Alex Jones and the other doctors, and you listen to what they're saying. Mike Adams censored, one of the earliest guys censored on the internet was Mike Adams, um, natural news.com and he's the health ranger and so he's always talked just about you know keep gmos out of the food and grow organically and grow your own food and be you know get into prepping and stuff like that he was kicked off the internet in like 2014 or something so when you start listening to those people early on you start to realize like wow they're being censored because they're trying to warn people something terrible is happening and the powers that be who are censoring them are de facto guilty of a cover-up if, if they're censoring. So for me, I never needed to see one scientific paper. I never needed to see anything. I did look at them. I looked at the patents. I looked at all the nanotech stuff. I listened to everyone. I did a lot of reading. You know, you were with me. We did a lot of this on camera. And so what really hit me though was the censorship if and and that's was surprising to me as an american that more people weren't looking at the censorship as an, a case closed kind of an argument if they're censoring us then they're wrong everyone is being censored is right and everything that's being censored we should be listening to and amplifying because it's clear that there's a power structure in place that's trying to hide and suppress that information from people. And so um, it's really sad, but then there's just such an insidious plot to push these vaccines on everyone. And so when we look, we should probably take another look at the SPARS pandemic uh, run through where they show how they're gonna do all this and release the jabs and people are gonna find out that they killed people and they're gonna blame politicians are gonna be held accountable, people are gonna be fired, but it's, they're gonna gaslight the public and like, oh, it was a mistake or we didn't know or it was just these people involved who didn't tell us the truth. They're, they're gonna gaslight the public so that then they can release a bigger virus or have another climate change scam or whatever they're doing to scare people back into lockdown mentality and to scare us back into thinking there's this deadly thing that's gonna kill us and the only thing we need to do is take more shots. Um, it's absolutely astounding. So any comments uh, coming in, just let me know. Otherwise, I'm gonna go on and keep uh, keep reporting here. There's uh, we're, we're running short on time and on daylight, um, so I'm gonna pick and choose what I'm reporting here. Here's a breaking bombshell report from yesterday. Let me just share my screen. That the spike proteins from the shots invade all the major organs. They induce a hyperaccelerated cellular aging. So they make you age faster. You lose years off your life. 
promoting, prompting a shorter lifespan. Um, the researchers claim spike proteins associated with COVID-19, the mRNA jabs, are causing accelerated degradation of human cells, causing organs to biologically age more rapidly, okay? Um, and so this is frightening. It's a frightening hypothesis put forth by French researchers who conduct, concluded spike proteins induced by the COVID infections and the mRNA death jabs shorten DNA sequences known as telomeres, which protect the ends of chromosomes, telomeres, uh, thereby decreasing life expectancy. Okay, um, scary stuff. Now we knew that the spike protein goes through the body and it goes through the blood-brain barrier and it poisons the heart and it poisons the lung tissue and it attacks healthy cells and it deoxygenates the blood and it makes it hard for the cells to have oxygen. And that's why things like vitamin D3 and um, budesonide, those kind of uh, steroid inhalers are really helpful for these infections because it helps open the pathways and get more air into the body when the spike proteins are deoxygenating the cells. Um, so this is a paper that's basically proving that the spike proteins decrease your lifespan. So when they say you take the shot because it will prevent transmission, they lied, they never tested for that. When they said it would stop the virus, like Rachel Maddow did this real, <coughs> lengthy presentation where she's like, and the virus just stops and it comes to you and you take the vaccine and it just stops and you can't spread it to someone and it can't go and infect you. And like the whole thing was a lie. It was a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, and this paper shows that it's the exact opposite of what they were telling you, that if you take these shots, you're actually going to lose years off your life because of this process where it attacks the telomeres, those are the ends of your chromosomes, that when your cells duplicate, um, those telomeres need to be healthy in order for your cells to replicate properly. Otherwise they degrade in that process of replication and that causes the aging process, okay? So we have more information now coming on that everything now, I don't know if I'm still publishing right now to LinkedIn, but I was kicked off LinkedIn several times for talking about these death jabs and how they were gonna hurt people and kill people and how mandating them was the bad idea. Companies who did it were committing crimes against humanity, they were violating the constitution. Um, There's just more stuff to prove that I was right in everything that I was saying, it's not about me, it's about the information and how many lives could have been saved if people were able to get the information. I'm just one guy that's like a nexus point of hearing and collecting information from people and then broadcasting it out um, within my sphere of influence, whatever that is, little, medium, big, whatever. And people who listen to me can get the information and share it with your friends and with your family. And so the needle is moving because more people are becoming aware of the information that we were being prevented from sharing with you guys all along, okay? Um, so I'm going through, oh, okay, let's finish on this story here. Let's make this the last story of the day before the closing song, and then maybe I'll play you a Greg Reese report 
or two that I think are really good this week. Um, out of Rebel News, okay, you're going to love this picture. <laughs> you're going to thank me for this. <laughs> We're looking at a picture of a massive cockroach inside a burger bun, basically being served up as a cockroach burger or a bug burger. And the headline of the article says, um, European Union begins adding bug additives to food. Okay, and it's really disgusting looking. And it says, though many have suggested that the consumption of bugs could become normalized if used as a food additive, some argue that this could be a way for climate change activists to impose their ideologies on people. Okay, and it has this massive bug in there. It's so gross. And what the article is talking about is that they're starting to add cricket powder to a bunch of different foods in the EU without really telling people about it. And so the cricket powder additive um, is now approved for use in a wide range of products in the EU, including cereal bars, biscuits, pizza, pasta-based products, and whey powder. So if you thought you were just getting whey powder, that's like you want to make uh, powdered milk, for instance. Now you can have that extra crickets in there with your whey powder, okay? So the additive could find its way into a variety of confectionery, soups, and meat preparations, ew, in order to prepare the crickets for human consumption there, first check to make sure their bowel content is removed and then frozen. So that's really disgusting. Um, Many have suggested the consumption of bugs could become normalized if used as a food additive. Some argue that this could be a way for climate change activists to impose their ideologies on people. We already read that. Um, the move include, to include the powdered additives could, ease, could be used to convince people that bugs have already been in their food so that they should just totally embrace eating bugs, okay? How disgusting is that and how gross is that? So um, I have a bunch of videos that I didn't show you. Um, let me just do a spattering. I've got some videos that are too long to feature here. Uh, but I saw a clip from Owen Schroyer where he was, first of all, announcing Biden's new pick for his new um, chief of staff is... Uh, there's some concerns about him. And so we should look at that video. And then in that part of the report, he talks about, and they show this video clip that I want to show you. It's like a dead bug. So like the bug is all hollowed out. You can tell there's like no guts in the bug. It's totally dead, but it's walking through the grass. So it's literally a zombified bug because apparently there's a kind of parasite that gets into your brain and it can literally make your body do stuff after you're dead. So like total zombified bugs. And since we're on the theme of bug eating, I thought I would just play about three minutes of this Owen Schroyer clip. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole report, but let me just play that so I can get to the bug moving because that'll go in later reports where we're talking about the blood-brain barrier and the spike protein infecting the brain and what we might have in store. Um, and I've got some announcements that I want to make before the end of the show today, so remind me about that. Okay, so let's see. Owen Schroyer, uh, all anti-vaxxers will die. Hold on one second. 
All right, I want to get into the classified documents situation we have now with Mike Pence entering the fold, and uh, there's more hilarity there. But, you know, this might be a sign of things in the Biden administration actually legitimately being a complete disaster. And, you know, maybe this classified document situation is a little more out of control than we think knowing how the deep state operates things and, and usually controls the narrative. Maybe this one's a little out of control, but Ron Klain has, uh, he's leaving as the white house chief of staff. Lauren Boebert says Ron Klain has been by Biden's side for many, many years, frankly, more than most would be able to tolerate. If he's out, it looks like the end is near for the big guy's lifelong political career. Is that what this is a sign of? But but quickly, just so you know who his replacement is, before we get into the documents, just so you know who his replacement is, this is Jeff Zients. Remember the winter of death quote? Yeah, that Jeff Zients. Here's the new White House chief of staff telling you basically you're dead a couple years ago if you didn't take this vaccine, but yet here we are. Here's Jeff Zients in clip eight. For the unvaccinated... You're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. So our message to every American is clear. There is action you can take to protect yourself and your family. Wear a mask in public indoor settings. Get vaccinated. Get your kids vaccinated. And get a booster shot when you're eligible. So these are aliens, right? These are aliens, right? I mean, these aren't humans. No no human would step up there and tell you to take a killer vaccine, right? I mean, these have to be aliens. These have to be demon, demon-possessed demon people. You know, there's this clip going around. It's well known about parasites that can get into your brain. It Crazy stuff parasites can do. They can get into your brain and literally control your brain. And there's this video that went viral recently of a, of a dead bug. It's a rotting carcass of a bug with a hole in it, clearly dead, but parasites are in the bug's brain and it's walking around. And so you see what is clearly a dead bug with a decayed body walking around, that's parasites in the bug's brain controlling it and it looks alive, but it's obviously not. Are Do these people have parasites? Is it like a parasite alien? Is it just a straight alien in human disguise? Is it demonic possession? Seriously, how does that... How does Jeff Zients get up there and tell you you're all going to die if you don't take this vaccine, knowing damn well that's a lie? What kind of evil is that? What kind of inhumane, what kind of alien possession, what kind of parasite is in his brain? Well, he's now the chief of staff. But okay, into the documents. So what is the deal with Mike Pence now? Former Vice President. Okay, Mike. I'm going to skip the Mike Pence part of the story. But if the uh, for Substackers who are listening to the audio, we were just looking at this crazy video. Wasn't that weird? Of this basically hollowed out dead bug that's still somehow walking through the grass. Uh, it is truly gross, and it it looks like the bug is being controlled by the parasite that's in his brain. So that's what Owen is talking about. Uh, let me put up a uh, comment from BG saying Klain is out, which means that Biden has outlived his usefulness to the deep state and they're ousting him. So that's their ousting 
uh, claim and he's putting in. But this guy who talked about the winner of death, it's just the propaganda regime. It's the, like we've never seen propaganda like this before. Absolutely crazy. Um, so what else? I wanted to show you maybe a Greg Reese report. Oh, no, I'm going to show you this Maria Z video. This is a minute and a half um, talking about the, remember when we covered several weeks ago, the WHO and their pandemic uh, response treaty that their uh, Biden signed, wants to sign off on. It gives the United Nations the right to come into member countries whenever the WHO uh, announces a pandemic level health emergency, global health emergency, and purportedly run the medical response to the pandemic in every country as a United Nations operation that would supersede local governments and local police and uh, the constitution. We wouldn't have the rights to deny treatment. They could force inject everybody with their mRNA spike protein death jabs. So um, listen to this uh, announcement from Maria Z. The World Health Organization is attempting a global power grab by seeking to have its 194 member states adopt amendments to the international health regulations, as well as adopt a completely new international agreement commonly referred to as the proposed pandemic treaty. This will apply to Australia. The proposed amendments would make the WHO's proclamations legally binding for our country rather than just advisory recommendations. They've used words such as punishment and forced vaccinations for people and countries that don't comply in future. These changes would institute global digital health certificates, also known as vaccine passes, enable the WHO to enforce medical procedures, injections, force people to submit to regular testing, dramatically increase the billions of dollars available to the WHO and enable nations to implement the regulations without the respect for the dignity, human rights and fundamental freedoms of people. In fact, they've actually crossed those words out in their proposed amendments, indicating that they will not consider those things in future pandemic responses. Okay, so that, um, I love how they say uh, H. They say, they don't say H down in Australia. They say H. It's the way they pronounce that letter. I always love that. I think that's really cute. So um, Australia's, of course, at the forefront of the New World Order because they don't have the constitutional protections that we have here in America. And so we have to keep a very close eye what's going on there because what is happening in Australia then moves to the EU and then it moves to the United States. So um, it's important that we stay aware of that. So what we're looking at is the needle moving towards the awakening of humanity, the great awakening. People are becoming aware of the deadliness of these shots and the ineffectiveness of them. Uh, they're also becoming aware that they were lied to and gaslit, which is causing them to open the hood, to take a look under the hood at everything else they've been talked about. Um, Twitter's been on fire, like I've said, and a lot of people are speaking out and publishing articles and things like that. So we've covered some of those here today. We could do a 12-hour show and still not get through with it. Um, but 
basically we've looked at some death jab news. We've looked at some uh, LGBTQIA2 plus whatever um, news about the gay pedal groomers and just people are becoming aware. We looked at Scott Adams video saying that the uh, anti-vaxxers or the unvaxxed um, seem to be on the right side of that discussion. He put it in terms of winning and losing because I think the people who were cajoled into getting these jabs, if they didn't suffer, um, I mean, some of you guys that watch this show took the jabs and suffered some adverse reactions. So you know better than anyone uh, probably what Scott Adams is talking about, okay? So it's like the people are not gonna take it for much longer and the powers that be see that they're completely getting, um, they're losing the narrative, they're losing the trust of the people, everyone's aware now of the WEF, they know what the Great Reset is. Just a year ago, it was still being said it was a conspiracy. Now everyone's uh, clued in on what's going on. So the good news is that people are aware of what's going on. The bad news is that People still don't know how bad it is, okay? So let me finish um, with this one Greg Reese report that I want to, I, I would play two, but we're already at two hours and I've got to um, close up this show very soon. So let me just play you this one Greg Reese report for four minutes and then we'll do the closing song and we'll be out of here. I think it's important to look at this that just dropped today. Um, and this is about, um, oh man, there's two and I really want to see. Okay, so there's one that talks about how the banks are about to steal everyone's money. Okay, and that leads into the announcement that I have towards the uh, for next week. So maybe I'll go with that. The other one is a new report that just dropped today talking about how they're going to be cloning extinct animals back to life under the guise of climate change and what could go wrong. It's like Jurassic Park in real life. But let me do this instead. I'll hold that report and I'll play you the one about the banks and the IMF getting ready to steal our money. It's called a bail-in. It's where they literally take the money from people's accounts and they go to get their money and it could be little amounts, hundreds or thousands of dollars, and it's just gone. Okay, and the bank uses it to protect itself. Very strange, never really thought they could do that. Thought we had the FDIC that would insure everyone. But apparently, uh, whether it's Chase or Bank of America, I think has already been taking people's money. And so I have to show you this and then I'll have an announcement and then we'll do the closing song and we'll call it a day. Okay, so this is Greg Reese from InfoWars reporting on the uh, banks and the IMF getting ready to steal your money. Canadian veteran and political activist Jeremy McKenzie, known as the Raging Dissident, was just notified that he can no longer do banking in Canada. As part of ending the relationship towards it today, um, you're not to visit any of the Scotiabank branches or bank premises in person without first getting uh, written consent in advance from the bank, from management. So I'm banned um, from the bank. But it doesn't matter if you are a political activist or an obedient sheep because the banks are planning on taking all of your money. 
to pay off their debts. I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. That's the FDIC currently has less than $200 billion in assets to insure over $9 trillion. That's just 1.3%. They know that a system collapse is coming, and they are already planning for bail-ins. As trust begins to fail, the people will begin to withdraw their funds, which will only guarantee a banking collapse. This is known as a bank run. In 2012, the International Monetary Fund, known for their reputation of coercion, violence, and extortion, published staff discussion notes entitled From Bailout to Bail-In, Mandatory Debt Restructuring of Systemic Financial Institutions. After the 2008 crisis, the world learned what a bailout is. Trillions of taxpayer dollars printed out of thin air to pay off the bankers' bad habits. It was hugely unpopular, but pales in comparison to a bail-in. So what exactly is a bail-in? It is officially obfuscated with elaborate equations, but to put it simply, it is when the bank steals your money directly from your account. They called it haircuts when they did it in Cyprus back in 2013, which the courts later ruled was legit. And a recent video on TikTok shows that the new bail-ins may have already begun. So I'm a Bank of America and everybody's missing money. I'm also missing money over $1,300 and they're telling me to call customer service. And they they keep hanging up on people. This is another person here is also missing money. So we're trying to see what's going on. Money's missing today and we need our money. And they're already telling us to call customer service. And customer service ain't doing nothing about it. So... Just a heads up, if anybody's experiencing this, please let us know because this is not right. I'm missing $1,400 from my account, and they're telling me that there's no way they can help us. This guy's missing money too. This other person is missing money too. And he's like, you missing money too? There you go. So this is not something that's just one person. This is everybody's happening to them. And this is crazy. This is very crazy. Yes, Bank of America decided to take people's money without their consent. And we're asking what's going on, and they're giving us a runaround. Everybody for the same thing, man. Same thing. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Okay, great video from Greg Reese. So we're here now. This is the end of the show. I'm going to do my final announcement for next week, and then I'll grab my squeeze box, and we'll sing a song, and we'll uh, call it a day, okay? I'm here on my website, eventalks.com. This is the front page of my website. You're looking at my book called Demystifying Crypto. It's about the central bank digital currency, also known as CBDC. Okay, and it's about the Great Reset and the war to enslave humanity. And it's an expose on this new coming central bank digital currency, all the different ways they're planning to use the currency, how it differs from the cash we use now, how it differs from Bitcoin because they call it the digital dollar and they want it to go up against Bitcoin. So it's important to understand the differences between how Bitcoin functions and how the CBDC functions. Also important to look at things like gold and silver and cash and credit and CBDC and Bitcoin and compare them all against each other, which is what I do in this book, okay? And I go through 
uh, the history of it. I talk about the New World Order, the World Economic Forum, the way that they have implemented their early parts of the plans. I go through and remind you what happened in Canada last year with the Truckers Freedom Convoy, how Trudeau froze everyone's bank accounts. And it kind of tipped off the world to the fact that this is a real thing. They're going to try to stop us from spending money on things they don't want us to have. So they're going to implement climate restrictions and implement uh, social behavior restrictions. And all of that is exposed in the book. But the real takeaway from the book is that if they move us to CBDC and they're trying to crash the economy as fast as they can, even while they're trying to say they're trying to control it, what they're really controlling is the collapse. And they want to kill the economy by over printing money and sending it all to Ukraine and then collapsing the world into chaos. And then they're going to ride in on their white horse and they're going to pretend to be the saviors with the central bank digital currency and say, oh, they can bring stability back and they can get everyone onto digital currency. Okay. My call to action in the book is that, uh, a threshold of the population of the world needs to become crypto proficient. That's proficient in using, sending and receiving Bitcoin, maybe some of the other coins, but I focus on Bitcoin in this book. And my call to action is to get proficient in how to use Bitcoin, how to buy it, how to sell it, how to send it, how to receive it, okay? And my big announcement is that I have a course that I'm going to be launching very soon. That's going to help you if you don't already have an account, get set up with an account, buy some crypto and be able to learn the very basics of how to get some Bitcoin in very small amounts, how to send it, how to receive it, okay? And then there'll be other uh, things that go from there. But this initial course is gonna be launching soon. It's gonna be totally free, okay? And I'm going to be opening the sign-up cart for that next week, okay? So when I come to talk to you next week, I'm going to have more information on the sign-up cart. If you want to get on the wait list, you just go to eventalks.com and you scroll all the way down this beautiful site that tells you all about the book. You can read all about it. You can see the front and back cover. You can buy it on Amazon. You just click one of those buttons and it'll launch, uh, immediately launch the book page on Amazon. So you can buy the book. It's available in paperback for just $17.76. That's $17.76. Buying the book, Demystifying Crypto itself, is your act of defiance against tyranny. $17.76 is the price point. It's also on Kindle, and you can get it for free if you're in Kindle Unlimited, or it's $9.99, that's standard price for a Kindle book, okay? Um, you can look inside, you can read the first chapter. I really highly recommend it. It's a great way to get savvy on what's coming down the pike. Um, but back to my book and the course, what you do is you go all the way down to the bottom, and in this menu at the bottom, you see where it says programs, okay? You click on that and it's, or you can dial direct, eventalks.com slash programs, okay? And you're gonna get to a page that looks like this. And it says Evan J's inner circle waitlist enrollment for Bitcoin basics is opening soon. 
okay? There is a wait list here. You can fill out this form, name and email, and it says sign me up, Evan J's Inner Circle Waitlist. You press that button, it will put you on a list. It will give you a tag so I know you're interested in the waitlist. And when I launch that next week, I'm going to send special instructions out to everyone who's registered on that list, okay? So when you get to this page, evantalks.com slash programs, it forwards you to this form page. When you get there, I may have made some changes. It may look a little different than it looks right now, but you'll basically see that it says sign up for the wait list or sign up for Evan Jay's Bitcoin Basics course. It's gonna be launching. The course is gonna be open for registration. Uh, this time next week, okay? And I think maybe Friday is the official day that I'll launch that. And then we'll be launching the actual course will be beginning kind of soon after that, okay? It's gonna be uh, a mix between emails and video walkthroughs, okay? And I'm gonna be showing you the basics and I highly recommend it because they're coming after us with the CBDC and the answer to CBDC is Bitcoin and getting crypto proficient, okay? There's also privacy coins and things like that, um, Monero and things like that, that honestly, there's a lot of potential great things in the crypto world, but I have a very clear sense because I've helped people on the individual coaching level get into crypto. And I have a clear sense based on having worked with some people before that simple is better and keep it simple, stupid kind of a thing. So this basics course is really focused on Bitcoin. It's not focused on all the other stuff. The after courses to that are going to be for people who want to do more in crypto and will be able to do more in crypto. But I'm, I've gone to great pains to create this course and make it as simple as possible. If you're not techno savvy, if you're not computer and iPhone app savvy and all of that stuff, and it's like you just feel like you get a little overwhelmed, um, this is my wheelhouse where I excel. I'm going to slow everything down take you by the hand, walk you through everything and make it really easy to do, okay? So evantalks.com slash programs, get on the wait list for my crypto beginners course and I'll have more information about this course uh, next week. So where does that leave us, my friends? That leaves us here at the end of the show where I'm going to sing a song for you. And thank you for coming. And we're going to sing a song from the Bible. It is called Trust in the Lord with All of Your Heart, Lean Not Into Our Own Understanding. Okay, so these are words from Proverbs, from Ephesians. You've heard it before probably if you're new to the show. This is the closing song. Um, so we cover the crazy news and the world takeover and the global domination and the pedo rape of children and all of these horrible things and the poison death jabs and whatever. And then we, we do our own little reset here at the end where we give thanks and praise to God and we leave feeling good about life. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> Psalms and hymns 
and spiritual songs, singing make melodies in your heart to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Okay, and God loves you or he wouldn't have made you. God believes in you or he wouldn't have put you here now in this world at this time. We each have a mission and a purpose that's for each of us to decide. But the thing that's important is that we are creatures and created by God in his image. As image bearers, we're all equals. We're all loved and endowed with special gifts. And um, it, I feel very blessed to be able to share some of my gifts with you guys and have you guys here with me as we go through what's crazy world and figure stuff out together, okay? So um, I look forward to seeing you next week. Look out for my Substack in a couple of days. And again, um, subscribe to my Substack free or paid. I will keep coming at you with quality content more and more and more as the year goes by. And we're getting ready to start that Bitcoin course. And I'll be talking a whole lot about that when we get started. So I'll give you a little Carol Burnett ear tug and a God bless you and a thank you. And I love you all. And I will see you very soon. Take care. Blessings. <laughs>